Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I hope if you don't know where Sioux City is now, by now, you've looked it up. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we are happy to be with you as ever here at Outcast Catholic. Good to be with you again, Father. It's been a few weeks. You checking out the specs here? We got to get the. We good? I'm just turning down my headphones a little bit. Okay. I'm a little hot. A little I'm hot. A, I'm a little too loud. It's like screaming at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you turning down your headphones for? You can't hear me anymore. Kind of aggressive, Father. Oh, Father Shane, how you been? Not bad. Yourself? Pretty good. School's rolling. It's yeah, been great. We're off to a new year. Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. Year two, it turns out, of the priesthood, as you were saying just when we were setting up, it's busier, but it's a little, I don't know, it's a little smoother in a, in a certain sense mm-hmm. because I know what to expect, kind of know what to do, but then it's just like, wait, there's so many more things. Right. And then last year, of course, I stepped into priesthood with COVID, which was like more challenges but less stuff. Right. And now it's just like stuff. lots of stuff <laughs> and more stuff. And it's like, oh, hey, what if we did some more stuff? Right. Lots of stuff. Well, I find that with all priests, they kind of like get their feet wet their first year. And then when they don't have to like figure out like, how am I actually going to preach every Sunday? Yeah. Now they're just like, oh, I can take on more stuff. Yeah, right, right, right. right. (laughs) And that's probably true with many careers, other vocations. Like once you get in the groove, things just start to pile on and you get more proficient. Um, But you coming out of COVID, now you're tasting like what? The normal routine is. Yeah, and it was different because there was a lot of creativity that went into last year. Okay, how do we do these things? Mm-hmm. And it was fun for me because I didn't have like a sort of a, a status quo of what it used to be. Mm-hmm. This was just all brand new. And now I'm actually having to relearn what like the normal structure of the school looks like, what the normal schedule looks like, what all these different things right. look like. Well, welcome to the fire hose. Just gulp drink, uh, gulp <laughs> yeah, very yeah, deeply. Yeah, yeah, okay, right, right. just keep drinking. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Father Travis... I was in Des Moines recently with all the seminarians for our convocation. Oh, yeah. And we put together a little surprise for you. Oh. This isn't the original packaging because it would have kind of ruined the surprise. Oh. So to all of our listeners, he's opening he's opening up a... A high uh, V sack right now. Yeah, we didn't get this at high V, but it's a high V uh, plastic bag. This is a surprise, just so you know. Live here, right now. The greatest store in the universe. Oh, it's a ray gun shirt. It's a ray gun shirt. <laughs> One of your favorite stores in Iowa. That's hilarious. So listeners... Um, Raygun is great because it's about Midwestern things. The front says, it's like a dictionary entry for the word ope, O-P-E. <laughs> it's kind of an O plus oops, <laughs> used often with another word or phrase. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in the way, oh, sorry. When it's suddenly your turn, oh, okay. <laughs> when you get it, oh, got it. <laughs> when you forgot something, oh, we didn't bring the ranch. <laughs> ranch dressing was so left at home. That's great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, we we, uh, we worked we worked hard to kind of get you I'm a glad. gift from uh, your favorite T-shirt. I'm store. very happy because the last <clears> time <throat> I went, they Raygun has just they've moved so political with their stuff. They it's have. kind of hard to find some of this like original Midwest gold, right? That they kind of were, were famous for. Yeah, one of my favorite stickers and just kind of logos that they have for Cedar Rapids, where they make crunch berries. Did you know that? So the crunch, no. so the Quaker factory in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, makes the crunch berries. Of, Cereal. Yeah. Really? Like for the country. That's where they oh, make it. I didn't know that. So I can't remember. Somebody will have to tell me, uh, email us, tell us. A certain day of the week is crunch berry baking day. 
Mm. So you smell the crunch berries. Similarly, Ooh. here in Lamar's, Bodine's is the ice cream cone factory uh-huh. that's right next to Blue Bunny. Right. And certain days, I can smell the delicious waffle cones being baked. But mm. you can smell the crunch berries. So there's a t-shirt that says, Cedar Rapids, wake up and smell the crunch berries. Nice. Super cool. I love that. I didn't know that history, a little of... of uh the fragrance of Cedar Rapids, you know, if you will. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they somebody makes a cologne that's yeah. just a Cedar Rapids. La fragrance <laughs> de Cedar Rapids. <laughs> you know, we actually, in the past couple episodes, have been giving a lot of uh, tips of the hat to the east side of the state. You know? uh-huh. It'd be nice if they would give us something once in a while. Well, we'll have to come up with some more things for Council Bluffs. We will. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to talk to Max Carson, see if there's any redeeming qualities of Council Tucky. Yes. No offense if you're from Council Bluffs. Well, that's what Omaha people say. That's what they do say, yeah. But we have our own comments about Nebraska, too, but we'll save those for another episode. So <laughs> We will save those. Yes. Father Shane, I was just chatting recently with, um, I think somebody feels slightly outcast from the faith, mm-hmm. and a lot of questions that have just kind of come up. And, and I think a lot of people, cradle Catholics especially, have a lot of questions that might have been rumbling around since their kind of adolescence, they were growing up, even if they went to a Catholic school, maybe especially if they went to Catholic school that haven't always been answered, and sometimes just as we grow up with those questions that never get answered, it becomes more and more mm, difficult to understand and to integrate the faith in our life if things just don't make sense. Right. One of these questions that came up in this conversation, but that happens, I think, often in a lot of people's minds, is the juxtaposition between the God of the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, and the God that is portrayed through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Mm. Right? Because the Big question, yeah, because the typical kind of read on the surface looks like angry, vengeful, spiteful God who just like wipes out whole cities and peoples because they don't do what they want, or who does bad things to the Israelites when they don't do what what he wants. He smote them. He he's does a lot of smiting, <laughs> and smoting, whatever that means. Yeah. And then flash forward, then the kind of like surface read and kind of cultural idea of Jesus is like good vibes, rose-colored sunglasses, kind of hippie Jesus. Mm-hmm. He could he could have fit in perfectly at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. He is just chilling, having a good time, loving everybody, mm-hmm. rainbows, flowers, butterflies. Everything. Everything, all you want there. Yeah. And that leads, How are we going to reconcile those five? How in the world can you reconcile those? What are we going to do? Well, I thought first we should probably talk about kind of that problem. And then I, so this is like one of the first times I've made an outline, which is kind of, which is kind of great for our, for our podcast here. It's new territory for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just you. So showing you how the sausage is made here at uh, <laughs> Outcast Catholic. Um, Father Shane does a lot of preparation. Father Crowder just <laughs> rolls with it. But it's um, fun with the, the back and forth when it just happens. Oh, it's lots know? of fun. It's lots of fun. Yeah. I think it's just helpful to understand scripture and it's tough and we're not scripture scholars, um, but there are those out there, mm-hmm. um, but we have received some formation and we do encounter the word often at daily mass. Um, and we've, we've received the, the good formation that's helped us have some clarity. The difficult thing is when you look at these texts that some they're thousands and thousands of years old, right? The new Testament texts, almost 2000 years old. Um, the old Testament texts, some of those are thousands and thousands of years before that. Right? So it's just look at these old texts that are written in different languages and we're trying to sometimes interpret them with a contemporary lens mm-hmm. that's just not fair for even what the text is on the surface mm-hmm. but definitely where god was with his people at, at the time these stories were written or when they happened right yeah stories historical stories yeah you right know, exactly yeah, yeah not yeah. mythical fables right <laughs> good. No, no no good call good point yeah 
Um, what I was thinking about, though, is that the church fathers have have given us a, a helpful tradition of understanding the scripture with different senses, mm-hmm. these four senses of scripture. So we often think of scripture when we read it, because it's words, it's just like, what do the words say? And what does that mean? So that could be a literal sense. That takes a whole experience to understand because, again, different language, different culture, different time. Mm-hmm. What is the literary context of the words themselves, right? What type of historical accounts are these? What type of, um, what type of poetry is this? What type of prose is this? But then secondly, there's the, these different spiritual senses of the scriptures <laughs> because this isn't just a history textbook. This is the living word of God. Mm-hmm. And as letter to Hebrew says, the, living, the God, word of God is living and effective. Right? So this is God's word who's speaking to us, the Logos, Jesus Christ, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, revealing God's love and his, and his will for us. Mm-hmm. So you've got this literal sense of what the scripture means itself, just reading it in its own context. But then these three spiritual senses, we probably won't have time to jump in all of them, but like, there's this idea of an allegorical sense that some of the stories of the Old Testament, some of the things that happened in the context of the salvation history, they receive a fullness and a fulfillment insofar as they can point to Jesus mm-hmm. and how Jesus sheds light back on these stories of the Old Testament and helps us understand them more fully. Right. And while they might have a literal context, that literal context might actually be pointing ahead um, like an arrow pointing toward toward Jesus who is to come. Right. And then there's this anagogical sense that's another kind of layer that goes from, okay, this historical context, this literal sense of the words might be pointing toward our fulfillment through Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So like our fulfillment in heaven, right? like that. So that all can just help bring some clarity to what is going on in some of these Old Testament stories. Any, any thoughts with that? No, I completely agree. I think there's a lot of people who find themselves very outcast to Scripture. I think there's, I think they might even view God as outcast to Himself as He's presented mm-hmm. in these various ways. Trying to get your mind around how do we how do we reconcile the violent God of the Old Testament with the love thy neighbor God of the New Testament? Right. Mm-hmm. I had a number of debates um, in grad school with you know, uh, priests with doctorates in scripture, and that's not my, you know, field of theology. And uh, some of them would agree with me, some of them vehemently disagreed. <laughs> but I really, I think we also have to take a look at um, kind of the pedagogy, if you will, or like the the uh, the teaching method of God, right? That's the next thing on the list. You're kidding. I wasn't even reading Upside oh Down. Oh my gosh. Wow. Look at this. Anyways. about the pedagogy of God. Well, you know, if you were going to if you're going to teach second graders math, you start with addition and subtraction. No one starts with calculus for second graders, right? Um, if we're at the late bronze period in world history, and God is revealing Himself to His initial Israelite people, well, we're dealing with you know tribal people, we're dealing with some nomadic people, we're dealing with. Um, you know, tribes that are used to going to war with surrounding tribes. Well, if you're God, what is your teaching method for kind of gaining some street cred? Now, obviously he's God, so, you know, he can command uh, quite powerfully everyone's attention, as he did on Mount Sinai and in some other ways with the Ten Plagues of Egypt. But if you're, if you're trying to actually build a relationship with a people and form their identity as your chosen people— wanting them to trust you, to believe in you, to understand the power of your word, the power of your presence, 
uh, and a fatherly protection and love. Well, that has a teaching method to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think God could have shown up in that culture and in that time and just started with the Beatitudes. I just don't think that would have worked. Now, I suppose with an enormous amount of grace, if he just zapped everyone's brains to collaborate, yes, but in full freedom, making a full act of faith, um, and really building an authentic relationship built uh, that's you know founded on love. I think, you know, God as the master teacher was revealing himself and preparing his people for the fullness of truth, the fullness of revelation and the fullness of accepting who we are as his people, which came through Jesus's, you know, um, through his messages of of the gospel truth, right? Mm -hmm. Is this, you agreeing with all this? I am. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. God's divine pedagogy is gradual, right? And sometimes we, we don't see how clear that is. We see the way we grow all the time. Okay, if we still grow as people, and even in our adult life, I mean, it's not like we stop growing once we're once we're adults. Right. Um, we continue to grow. We continue to to become who who we're called to be. Right. We, right. We, we become and grow as as men and women in in, in Christ. Um, but that kind of philosophical principle that God is always giving Himself according to the mode of the receiver. Absolutely. That means that not only individuals, but the people of Israel had to grow in their mode of receiving God and understanding who he was and understanding who they were in the context of a relationship with him. So, so, so much of the context of the Old Testament is about that. Right. The people of Israel receiving their identity from God and the people of Israel through that identity understanding who God is. Surrounded the entire time with polytheistic paganism. Exactly. Right, right, right. right. Polytheistic paganism that sometimes even went as far as child sacrifice. Right. So that's a context that I was really thankful for, and this is one of the resources I wanted to offer. Um, Dr. Tim Gray, who's now the the head of the Augustine Institute and Ascension Press and things like that, out of Denver, taught us in seminary when I was there at St. John Vianney for just that year. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an introduction, introductory scripture course in our spirituality year. Um, That wasn't a deep dive in kind of the... Um, academic side of scripture, but just what he wanted to paint for us is the narrative account of scripture. Mm -hmm. Because when we focus in on these different readings and even just going to mass, we might not realize as Catholics that the lectionary is so intentionally sculpted for us, especially on Sundays, Mm -hmm. that the themes and that the consistency of the scriptures through the Old Testament, through the Psalm, through the New Testament reading, the gospel is trying to bring together a consistent theme for us to understand God. Right. Right, I, I had some some great. So, but you were talking coming. about Dr. Grace, of yes, course, giving the full narrative. You. That's where you were going. The full narrative scripture, right? And that's that's what I got. Okay, well, <laughs> just picking up on that, you're right. The lectionary that we receive at Sunday Mass doesn't necessarily always give us um, kind of the full uh, trajectory of salvation history as it unfolds. Right. I can see some of our listeners saying right now. Okay, Father Travis, Father Shane, we'll grant you that God has a pedagogy. Mm-hmm. We'll grant you that there is this gradual revealing of himself and a gradual growth in a people's identity in, in relating to God. Okay, we'll grant you that. But <laughs> there's still some passages in the Old Testament where God seems violently angry, mm-hmm. uh, putting the ban on people, uh, wanting exterminated, you know, tribes surrounding the Israelites just to be gone. Um, at times, even seeming like he's turning his back on the Israelites uh, when they have, you know, disavowed him. So how do we how do we still 
you know, make that jive with Jesus saying, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon your shoulders. You know, how do we, are we going to really reconcile those two things? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have some thoughts, but fire at will, Father. Well, what I was saying before is, I think it's, and this is what Tim Gray was saying, in some ways, that might have been the most necessary thing at the time. Um, so, so, so people always want to say like, well, no, actually God wasn't trying to say to kill all these people. If there's child sacrifice happening, that's, that's not a, that's not a good thing. We have, is there a wedding going on tonight? There's a rehearsal going on. Oh, well, they just wanted to come in and maybe drop some things off. Oh, so great, wonderful. We'll catch up with them momentarily. But anyways, um, right. <laughs> they might've had this room reserved. No, no, no. They're probably going to use it just for the next morning for, so they just drop stuff. Just off, some so. staging things. Oh, well. Anyways, you're right. That might've been the most necessary thing. At the time. At the time. And in, in the context of the way those tribes were living, the way those tribes were treating other other people, right? The, the way they needed to be taught and learned and the particular pedagogy that they were needed at that time could have been that. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to say that in light of God's justice mm-hmm. and the honor due to him, right? So... If there's passages of the Old Testament that seem really violent, or if God is expressing anger and everyone's like, oh no, we only do, you know, light, fluffy Jesus. Mm -hmm. God is supposed to always be compassionate and caring and embrace us warmly. Where is this anger coming from? Well, injustice. (laughs) If there's anything that is not worthy of God's glory, his majesty, his eternal light, that is not welcomed in eternal life. This is what we call hell, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that is not worthy of God that cannot be brought into heaven, the stains of souls, uh, and or any creature you know that that is not worthy of God, that doesn't belong in His presence, and in and in His justice uh, and in His glory, He as all powerful you know Creator of the entire universe, things visible and invisible, has every right <laughs> to say, "Be gone." with anything not worthy of me and the love that I want to extend towards my beloved sons and daughters. And I think we have to keep that context in mind. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's yeah. a teaching moment in there that tells us who we are and who God is and all of that. And understanding God's justice helps us actually understand what his mercy is. Mm-hmm. Because if, if it was just this idea of like, anybody can do whatever they want because I love you and it's, and it's just fine. That's not actually mercy. That's just like, do whatever you want because like, right. nothing really matters. It's almost like nihilism that comes in. Right. But if there is this like strict justice, then when God acts out of mercy and forgives those who've like offended the right ordering of the universe, mm-hmm. right? and we see that abundantly throughout. So we're always focused on the ban and the conquest of the Canaanites and stuff. Mm-hmm. The scriptures that so, show God's covenantal love and mercy are, I mean, they're far more abundant than the ones that talk about these, these different things that seem like this angry, vengeful God. Right. Right. But God is fully just and fully merciful Mm -hmm. at the same time. Right. Yeah. So maybe just to kind of uh, bring some things to a conclusion for our listeners, I I think when you're trying to reconcile the perceived difference between the God of the old Testament, and the God of the new Testament, a God who might seem like an outcast unto himself. I think it's really important to recognize if you look at the scriptures as a totality and if you try and get your arms around the entire narrative of salvation history that's unfolding throughout these pages and the different books of the Bible, there is a continuity to God's uh, you know, reasoning. There, there's a method to the madness, so to speak, leading up to the fullness of revelation mm-hmm. that you know, we can't say that God was um, 
fully revealing everything that he had in store just in the initial chapters of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the full depths of his love came to be manifest, you know, on Calvary. And so we have to kind of te- we have to see this in its full trajectory and not try and just take, you know, these piecemeal identities of God as if he could just be reduced to certain little characteristics or aspects. Yeah. Dr. Tim Gray wrote a book called Walking with God. So I just offer that, you know, to help kind of paint that narrative account of scripture and see that thread that ties it all the way through and to allow Jesus to shed the light backwards on the Old Testament and forwards for our destiny with him right. in heaven. Well said. So keep reading your Bible and keep uh, seeing how God has planned for all of us. And if you have any more questions, please let us know. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.